You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right. Thank you, everybody. What's up, everyone? Thank you so much uh, for joining us and listening to episode number 29 of the Detroit Local. Uh, joining me, as always, we have Mr. Kari Hobbs. Good day, mate. Our fantastic co-host. How's everything going, Kari? Man, still alive. It's an exciting day today. Aren't I mean, yeah. I would, I would like to say that that's the case. I know. I'm hyped, man, <laughs> for sure. Uh, also joining us today, Mr. Jason Hall. Uh, you may recall Jason from joining us on episode number 28. Uh, we got we got a little cut off. We just got we went down that wormhole right. of, I don't know, I'm, I'm just humanity. That good. Yeah. Just that good. Yeah. yeah. And, and a half hour, time. Half hour time. went by in, in the blink of an eye. But most importantly, uh, we have a very special guest in studio today. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce and interview and get to know uh, your next Democratic candidate for president, Mr. Andrew Yang. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be back in Detroit. Yeah. So uh, first off, thank you so much for making the time to come through. I, you're busy. You're all over the place doing media. So it sincerely means a lot that you would visit us and uh, and give us some of your time. So you said back in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken, you announced in uh, your intent to run for president in November of 2017. And Detroit was one of those main cities that you were already embedded into. Yeah, I've been coming to Detroit every year since 2011. Yeah. Uh, and most of that was in my capacity as founder and CEO of Venture for America, mm -hmm. uh, which I started in 2011. Uh, but then I did declare my candidacy for the White House in early 2018, and then I've uh, come back to Detroit uh, before this, uh, but it was in 2018 when, frankly, no one was paying any attention to the 2020 race. Right. Sure. Uh, and now I'm back, and now the 2020 race is just starting to heat up. I'd say the average American still is not paying any attention. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? I, mean, that's, I don't know. That's how it happens. I, I, I don't think we have much of a choice as, as average Americans. I mean, it's definitely uh, with our 24-hour news cycle, with everything that's been going on in, in the current cultural and political climate, I think it's kind of difficult to to miss it, right? I mean, we are, in a, are finding ourselves in a situation which, quite frankly, we've never been in before, right? right? This is true. This is an unprecedented cycle, uh, and it's one reason why my campaign can take off. And it already has taken off, I'm glad to say. Since last time I was in Detroit, I've qualified for the Democratic primary debates. Uh, I'm one of... Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's huge. Yes. I'm one of, I believe, uh, eight candidates who's qualified on the basis of both polling and donations. Absolutely. So, so we've received uh, well over 100,000 individual donations and average increments of only $19 each. Wow. So I joke my fans are even cheaper than Bernie's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yang Yang. <laughs> yes, stingy Yang Yang. <laughs> uh, and I'm polling at 3% nationwide. And uh, an analyst looked at it and said, Andrew Yang's raised over $3 million in grassroots money and polling at 3%, and his name recognition is lower than any other candidates. And so as his name recognition goes up, uh, he could take the whole thing. Yeah. And and that was Nate Silver from 538. Uh, so this campaign's been a, a – Really, like a straight line up since February of this year. Sure. So, what is, what surprised you so the most about becoming a presidential candidate? What, what's caught you off guard? I mean, there's, there's probably a million things that, that would come to mind when you decided one morning you, you woke up and it was, you know what, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do this. Right. Yeah, I'm going to take my shot. I'm going to run for president. What was the impetus that made you decide to do that? And what has been the most surprising thing 
on the campaign trail so far? Well, my experience in Detroit is one of the reasons why I'm running for president now. Shout out Detroit, right? I is mean, that yeah? Is that I, <laughs> so I, we're I, all locals too, man. Right. So this is this is like uh, we all grew up here, and we're all very familiar with uh, with the struggles in the city. And so it's great to have you come back through. Absolutely. Now, I, I first started coming through really 2010, uh, and uh, bankruptcy was just starting to uh, become real here. And I remember just how mm-hmm. empty the streets were. Uh, and I mean, it's come a long way, like coming back every year. I mean, there, there has been a real uh, measurable uh, uptick in indifference in, in people and sure money coming in. Yeah. Neighborhoods. Yeah. Restaurants, uh, homes, even the airport. Like I remember I yeah. the airport. That airport was a freaking ghost airport. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> in, in 2010, 2011. Right. Uh, but Detroit is in many ways. Uh, ground zero for the automation of jobs. Yeah. Where this country automated away 4 million manufacturing jobs in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. And that led directly to Donald Trump's victory in 2016, Mm -hmm. according to the numbers. I looked at the voter district data and there is a direct correlation between the adoption of industrial robots in an area and the movement towards Donald Trump. So when Democrats are looking around saying, how did this happen? It's like, well, we automated away 4 million manufacturing jobs in all the swing states that they needed to win. And unfortunately, my friends in Silicon Valley know that what we did to the manufacturing jobs this past number of years, we will now do to the retail jobs, the call center jobs, the fast food jobs, the truck driving jobs, and on and on. And all those local economies that are supported by those positions. Yeah, 30% of American malls and stores are going to close in the next four years because Amazon's soaking up another $20 billion in commerce every year. And the most common job in the country is a retail clerk. Right. The average retail clerk is a 39-year-old woman making between $10 and $11 an hour. So if those stores and malls close, what is she going to do? What's the next opportunity? <laughs> we know she doesn't have much in the way of savings because 57% of Americans can't afford, can't afford an unexpected $500 bill. So – Spending years uh, working in Detroit where I was like, wow, guys, like we really did a number on that region. Uh, and then until this past year, people were just like, oh, it'll be fine. You know, we're going to automate away a bunch of stuff. But like new jobs will appear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like there's something. Yeah. And then- people will get retrained. But we know that that just doesn't statistically happen. People don't yeah, generally. A, re- a, a 55-year-old dude from Dearborn is not just going to all of a sudden start coding. Yeah. Or even you've said it in the past. It's somebody maybe that didn't really enjoy schooling all that much when they were in it through high school. What's the next step for an individual that finds himself in that situation when government programs maybe either aren't enough or they they just don't know where their next not even necessarily meal is going to come from, but their next mortgage payment or any you know. There's a whole lot of middle ground there. Yeah, uh, and the figures around the. Success rates of government-funded retraining programs are abysmally low. Sure. Embarrassingly so, like 0 to 15% low. Uh, and so any politician who talks about that is essentially being irresponsible. They're talking about a fantasy. Uh, and it's to your point that why would you think you can turn a coal miner into a coder? That makes right. zero sense. And the only reason you would even begin to think that is that we're brainwashed to equate economic value and human value. So if – Someone's job don't, no longer has value, then they have no value. Mm-hmm. And then the only solution then is to transform them magically into something that does have value, even if that makes zero sense, even if that person has no interest in becoming right. <laughs> whatever, right. whatever it is you're trying to make them right. into. So the 
this place helped me see the illusions of the conventional prescriptions for the automation of jobs and the devastation that follows. Uh, now I know a lot of it is bullshit. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had to be here to see through some of the bullshit. Sure. Uh, and so the plan is to try to move us to the next stage of our economy where we're not all just seen as economic inputs into this larger capital machine. Uh, and as you you probably know, my flagship proposal is that every American adult is entitled to a dividend of $1,000 a month. Freedom dividend. The freedom dividend. UBI. We, we were talking about that uh, just before you came in. So uh, yes, yeah, since you brought it up, what what is universal basic income number one? Uh, and then number two, for those that uh, are definitely aware of what UBI and the freedom dividend is, uh, how, number one, does that fix kind of the margins? And then uh, how will that not lead to, I guess, inflation? Right. Like, like, and it's, I, I've read it on your website. And so it, it's just in, in my experience, if it's known that everybody else has this extra money coming in, that it's slowly going to may, maybe not jump up immediately, but definitely slowly creep up where that thousand dollars is going to be negated or, and why not 2000, 3000? Yeah. So universal basic income is an idea that's been with us uh, for Ever. And so right now it sounds new to people. It's like, oh, Andrew Yang. It sounds awesome. I'll be honest with you. It sounds really great. (laughs) Everyone's like, wow, that sounds too good to be true. Uh, But Thomas Paine was for this at the founding of the country. He called it the citizen's dividend. Martin Luther King championed it in 1967 in his book, Chaos or Community. Fought for it uh, the year before he was assassinated. He called it the guaranteed minimum income. Milton Friedman and a thousand economists signed a study saying this would be tremendous for America. Passed the U.S. House of Representatives twice in 1971. Came this close to being law, like this close. Uh, and then 11 years later, one state passed a dividend where now everyone in that state gets between one and $2,000 a year. Yeah. No questions asked. Shout out Alaska. Yeah. That's but you got to live in Alaska, right? So- <laughs> right. So that state's right. Alaska and they do it with oil right? money. And what I'm saying is that technology is the oil of the 21st century. Right. And Absolutely. In the context of a $20 trillion economy, putting a thousand bucks a month into our hands does not cause massive inflation. The money would circulate in our communities and neighborhoods mm-hmm. over and over again. We'd create tons of new businesses, make our families stronger and healthier. Would uh, This would be the trickle-up economy from people and families and communities up. And it would actually work, uh, unlike, unlike the trickle-down nonsense that we were sold right. uh, over the last number of years. And I studied economics. Uh, this is the path forward. In the absence of adopting this path, uh, there are going to be many hundreds of thousands of Americans who lose their jobs in the coming years. Uh, and what I, I say to people is like, look, Detroit is not America's past. Detroit is America's future. Like if you want to see what the heck's going on, go to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, we have to start trying to be honest about the scope of this economic transformation we're in the midst of, which experts call the fourth industrial rev- revolution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, hot. <laughs> so hypothetically, you get elected. Uh, I think Jason, you had a question about the implementation of UBI. Right. Right. That was just my. You know, I understand it. I get it. There's a process. You know, you get elected, then we implement this. When you know, to the average person, they're saying, "Okay, I'm I'm voting for this person because I'm supposed to get a thousand bucks a month." Yep. So, how when does that happen? How does that happen? And how do we? clarify that that's not really what's happening because to the like i said once again to the average person they might just be thinking 
But if I vote for this guy, I'm getting 12 grand a year. Can't wait, right? And uh, that understanding would be correct. And if that's what drives someone to vote for me, then great. Like so, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> so, so, so here's the plan. Uh, again, I'm polling at 3% nationwide, brand new. I made the Democratic primary debates. And so what's going to happen is people are going to turn on NBC uh, in June and they're going to look up. They're going to see this debate and they're going to say, who the hell is that guy? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to look up and be like, wait a minute. This guy wants to give us a thousand bucks a month. Let me do a little more research. Yeah, now. let me do yeah. a little more research. Wow, this guy makes a lot of sense. Uh, so we start a wave. Unfortunately, the Democratic Party is in a similar spot as to where the Republican Party was in 2016. Okay. If you remember, the 17 Republicans ran for president in mm-hmm. 2016. That's right. And no one thought that Donald Trump was the prohibitive favorite. Right. If you look back on it, Jeb Bush was the favorite. For like, right. yeah, for like right. two or three months, right. and then it just, for a long uh, time. I think, he, yeah, he said something though, and then he just kind of fell off. And then Trump came up, and Trump ran the table in part because the Republican Party had lost confidence in its own ideas. You know, like Trump was like, hey, trade globalization bad. And then commentators were like, oh, he's done, he's finished. Like, right. you know, you can't say that in the Republican Party. And it turns out no one cared, and actually right. most people agreed with him. So unfortunately, the Democratic Party is in a similar spot in 2020, where you now have 21 candidates. Uh, the party is something of a husk in terms of people's confidence in its yeah. ideas and policies, and it needs new ideas. So I'm going to come in and say, look, the best thing we can do is just start giving people 1000 bucks a month. Like Nothing else compares. Right. If the Democratic Party wants to talk about empowering women, you know what's going to help women? Thousand bucks a month. Yeah, thousand bucks a month. Yeah, that's a that's a solution. You know, it's not going to fix everything, but it certainly gives people a leg up where it has that definite safety net of. of, We're not even talking about like if you lose everything and you still have this thousand dollars a month. It's going to help real Americans. It's on top of everything else is going on. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So 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 the path forward is this. Uh, I'm pulling at three percent. I start uh, doing better and better, uh, and then. I shock the world in February of next year where I start winning caucuses and primaries. And yeah. then I'm front page news around the U.S. and the world. But like what the heck is going on over there? Right, like right. Andrew Yang, what? Uh, and then the Democrats eventually recognize that I'm actually already drawing support from former Trump voters, conservatives, independents, libertarians, as well as Democrats and progressives. And the number one criterion that Democrats want for their candidate is someone who can beat Donald Trump. And when they realize that I'm the guy who's going to beat Donald Trump, then people get behind me. I beat Donald Trump. I become president in 2021. Everyone's really excited. And then <laughs> I, go yeah. to, I go to Congress <laughs> and I say, hey, guys, it's dividend time because we all know that that's why I'm here. Yeah, right, I get right, the dividend. Right, right. <laughs> and then Democrats and progressives will be like, I want to work with the new Democratic president, and he wants to put money into the hands of children and families. It's going to make everyone stronger, healthier, mentally healthier. Now, here's the great thing. Republicans and conservatives are going to look up and say, wait a minute, this is a massive win for rural areas and red states on the interior and places that have been uh, blasted by some of these economic changes. Am I really going to stand in the way of my constituents and this dividend? And I don't need 80 percent of Congress. I just need 51 percent of Congress to start passing the dividends. And so the money can start coming into people's hands 2021, 2022. This is the the core of the campaign is that right now we're arguing about solutions that aren't going to be as effective as a thousand bucks a month. And there's nothing stopping a majority of citizens in a democracy from passing a dividend. Right. 
it's kind of magic. But yeah. if we if we wake up to that reality, then we can make this happen very quickly. Now, I know that like yeah, as far as the reality is concerned, you've actually tried this out on a few families where you you know, you as regular old I'm just a a, a just person, Andrew, Andrew Yang I'm just a citizen. Yeah. Uh, have have given people a thousand dollars. How's that worked out for them so far? Is there like a, a sign up process? <laughs> or? Like I'm trying to get down. <laughs> I'm just curious, you know. So there is a sign up process, but right now you have to live in Iowa, right? And and that's for just nakedly political purposes because they're the first state to. Vote. <laughs> we sure. appreciate your honesty for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's very real. Um, and I've been uh, giving a thousand bucks a month to a family in New Hampshire since January, right? Uh, and they report what most everyone reports, which is. Uh, they feel less stressed out. They feel um, more secure in their futures. Obviously, it helps them actually pay bills. And in their case, they have a daughter who's going to college and college is crazy expensive. Sure. So the wonderful thing is when people actually see $1,000 uh, in the hands of one of their neighbors, then all of the worries evaporate. Because in the abstract, people are like, oh, you'll do something, you know. Like bad or do drugs right, or something. Right, right. <laughs> and then when you actually see like the family in Iowa, it's like, oh, they're just doing what anyone would do. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. like trying to pay their bills. Right. But, but some – I mean some people will take that and do nefarious things with it. But I, I, I think we're overlooking the fact that – or maybe not putting enough faith in our the, fellow Americans in general that, oh, well, this is just going to lead to more drugs and, and bad things. But, but wait a minute. OK. Those people are probably going to be spending their money – uh, on situations like well, that, is there anyway. checks and balances it's, for that? I mean, is there? Uh, you know, are, are we saying it's America? Everybody gets a thousand bucks. Do what you want to do with it, or is there some type of checks and balances to say if we find out you're doing something kind of wrong with this money, it can be taken away, or does it? Do we? For the for the most part, the stance is this is our money anyway. That's why it's the Freedom Dividend. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the name. Are, it pulls well, I'm sure. Yes, it does. Freedom <laughs> Dividend. <laughs> I'm Andrew for Yang, it. Yeah. 2020. So, uh, dot com. Because we're, we're the <laughs> owners and shareholders of this country and we're producing unimaginable levels of wealth. And so, you know, it's your thousand bucks. Um, the only circumstances where, uh, we start channeling the money to other things, um, are that if, if you, uh, end up, uh, in jail for some drug related offense and then we spend the money on your rehabilitation, okay. uh, for treatment. Okay. Um, though I'm for decriminalizing both marijuana and opiates, um, because I think that the former, uh, just shouldn't be criminalized at this point. And then right. the latter, we, we need to be focusing on getting people treatment and not, uh, punishing people. Cause at this point, eight Americans are dying of opiate overdoses every hour. And, uh, you know, there's a public health crisis. Yeah. That- well, and both of those have affected not just Detroiters, but Michiganders, uh, for, for decades now, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and then the other circumstances, if you are in, uh, incarcerated, then we're spending the money on incarcerating you. And I dare, dare say that this is one, a disincentive to, um, to commit a crime because you lose your dividend. And number two, when you come out of jail, then you're getting the dividend again. And so can you imagine people coming out of jail being like, things have changed a lot since I, yeah. uh, I went in. <laughs> now there's President Yang and they're giving me a thousand bucks a month on my way out. Like, I don't think I want to go back to jail. Like, right. and then you show up in your old, uh, you know, like uh, with your family and they're actually, more excited to have you around because you're bringing a thousand bucks a month. Right. <laughs> well, it would definitely deter people from from recidivism. All, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what what has been like the most shocking or surprising thing that's been going on in your campaign? Uh, I mean, you're going from city to city. You were you were just in Seattle. I think you're going to Minnesota here coming up. What has been some of the uh, 
I don't know. Is anything fun or crazy happen? Not crazy, but oh, all sorts of crazy. Yeah, it's it's just like <laughs> we talk all the time. Like this campaign is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> there is some weird. shit All right, I'll move on, on to the next question. I apologize. I just. Okay. Well, fine. We'll stick. We'll stick to more policy, right? What? Um, <laughs> I can talk about weird shit. I mean, hey, okay. Well, we're, where are we're you? Here. How about the, where are you getting your your inner strength from? As this campaign goes on, I mean, you've been campaigning for years now, and, and it's you, it's still until two twenty. <laughs> well, you announced <laughs> in, in true. yeah. I mean, you announced around in early two thousand eighteen. The, the article I read said November two thousand seventeen. Yeah. So. So, I, so I filed the paperwork in November twenty seventeen, but obviously no one paid any attention to that. <laughs> And then I uh, and then the campaign launched the New York Times in February of 2018. Okay, so, we, so I've been at it for uh, 14 or 15 months. Yeah, so I mean that's still to be on on the road and going at this pace. Where are you finding your inner strength, emotional strength, mental strength? We talk a lot about mental health here. So oh, you should. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm also for a giant mental health initiative in this country. I'm for having a psychologist in the White House to help destigmatize these issues. Yeah. Uh, but not, but it's not just a destigmatizing thing. I mean, we actually need to get real live resources mm-hmm. into communities' hands and people's hands because right. there's a mental health crisis in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother's a psychologist. It's one reason I'm passionate about this. Uh, but in terms of where I get my inner strength, I have to say, I've been a serial entrepreneur for a number of years. And ordinarily, if you start a business or an organization, uh, you have a very unclear timeline but you know you're going to have to do it for at least five to ten years for it to have any chance of success. Right. Like you probably should not be starting a business if you're like, oh, this thing's going to hit in like you know twenty months. I mean, it <laughs> probably will not. Right. Uh, but in the context of a campaign, we actually do have a defined calendar where we know November 2020, I'm either going to be president or I'm not. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, just knowing that there's a very very clear calendar actually sure. makes it. If you go to the average entrepreneur uh, and say, hey, can you kill yourself for like twenty months? They'd be like, sure. Yeah, there's a you there's know? an ending point. Yeah, like I kill myself for like longer than that. I have no idea how long I'm killing myself for, you know? So like on, on this – and not to say I'm killing myself because I'm actually having a good time. <laughs> right. As you can tell – Yeah, campaign's been bonkers apparently. <laughs> yeah, <so>. campaign's <laughs> been bonkers. Um, but uh, it's not uh, daunting at all to maintain one's capacities when you have like a very clear goal. And in this case, what is the goal? I mean there's no better goal than eradicating poverty in this country, <laughs> than helping us advance to – an economy that actually revolves around us uh, and can help prepare us for the realities of the 21st century, help Americans understand that it's not immigrants that are causing right. economic problems. It's uh, technology. Mm-hmm. So uh, energized by the goal of a very clear timeline, you know, like I feel strong, my family feels strong. Uh, yeah. Like we're just going to keep on uh, growing and growing and win this whole thing. Absolutely. Wow. See, it, I, I was actually going to ask like, you know, as you you are an entrepreneur and in, in, in doing so, you've already like helped uh several people. So, you know, I would just I was just wondering like why jump to what seems like the worst job in the world in present? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like I feel like that is the answer. Like you can you can help so many more in in that situation. Well thank you. I mean I like this really is the highest uh impact I can have. Uh, and it's a joy. And the other thing is that I pride myself on being intellectually honest and the other things I could do would not solve this particular set of problems. Right. Like if you think that we're in the third inning of the biggest economic and technological transformation in our history, which we are, and that our government is asleep at the switch, which it is, right. uh, and you can do something about it, then that's like an entrepreneur's dream in a way because most entrepreneurs just want to – you know, make a difference, mm-hmm. and there's no bigger difference I can make. 
I think your foresight is amazing yeah. because these are situations that until I started researching them, I, I, I never really thought about uh, technology taking over, right? You always hear reports like, oh, uh, artificial maybe intelligence or uh, robots in different sectors. But you don't – before you mentioned it, I never even considered automated trucking in the economy that that, uh, that entails, right? Uh, I think – And what it wipes away. What it would wipe away, right. exactly. And they and, – and, Especially in and around Detroit, we have retail that has been closing at an alarming rate. And it's, you would originally, you, we all thought like, well, people just don't have the money or they're just, which is partially true, right? Or people just aren't shopping like that anymore. But once you realize, yeah, it's a combination of all those things and there's a reason for it. Right. And it's, you know, online fulfillment or it's, it's, it's a changing, uh, like you said, the fourth industrial revolution, and we're in the middle of it. Have we gone too far, <laughs> or like, w- w- how do we come back to you know who's the adult in the room, or where are we? Um, have we gone too far? You know, uh, when I found that our life expectancy has declined for the last three years because of drugs and suicides, I'd say we've gone too far. Yeah. Uh, and there is no time machine. There's no turning back the clock. Um, what we have to do is we have to actually accelerate and move the society forward mm-hmm. as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And the fastest way to do that is just by uh, putting money into people's hands. Um, because if you can imagine a Detroit where everyone had another $12,000 a year, I mean, what would that do for local businesses, for people fixing up uh, their homes and yeah. neighborhoods for some retail to come back because, you know, people had money to spend in the neighborhoods. Then like everything starts to become uh, more robust. And uh, the wonderful thing is there's actually nothing stopping us from changing our capital flows in this direction. Like our, our country really is fabulously wealthy. Um, and the trick that people are pulling is somehow being like, oh, we don't have the money. We don't, I mean, it's nonsense. We have right. Our GDP is up to $20 trillion plus, up $5 trillion in the last 12 years. We could easily afford a $1,000 dividend for our citizens, most of which would get spent right back in our economy anyway. Yeah, it would. Like uh, uh, this is the kind of move we need to make. Uh, and you no, know, uh, I appreciate you're saying that I'm, you know, like – Futurist yeah. in my perceptions. Um, I say I'm a presentist. It's just that most of our politicians are stuck in some bygone era, right. uh, and it's not entirely their fault. I'm sure if I was born in the 40s, I would probably also you're so much re- you're so relatable too because you're, you're a young guy you're you're right around the same age that all of us are and you're you're polling so well with millennials younger voters maybe even a lot of first-time voters coming in do you have a plan to access and resonate with some of these older boomer voters and when they look and they say oh it's just free money and they're kind of a, in, of that attitude what's your plan to reach those voters yeah, that, that's a, the biggest hurdle we face right now. Uh, um, the biggest success point we've seen is when kids get their parents on board. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you have a boomer parent that you can get on board. We actually we actually have a, a, a – we poll – not poll well, but our uh, analytics, we have a, a higher age demographic than I originally thought. So we're, we're anywhere between 35 to 55 is where we're uh, kind so of – is it right now. Yeah, so, so what they're the saying boomers, is they're pushing you – up into the boomers. That's yeah. what you're looking for. <laughs> you know, if you're looking for that bush. That uh, bush. Yeah, I, I mean, I will share too that one of like the sticking points for 
many boomers is uh, treatment of Social Security is because a lot of them feel like, well, I worked and worked and I got mm-hmm. Social Security and then if everyone gets it, then all of a sudden, like, uh, there's something wrong. Um, and so, so that's one obstacle we've had. Um, and a- another is that it does strike people as um, free money uh, and that there are some generations that are mm-hmm. much more excited about that prospect yeah, than, right. than, than others. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of them. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no I, I will say, I mean, this is capitalism where income doesn't start at zero. It's actually just better for everyone. Right. Um, so some people say it's like, oh, it's socialism. It's actually definitely not socialism. Um, as someone who studied economics, uh, socialism is when the government takes over the means of production, which this is very much not. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. I'd, I'd rather have the money than have the government have it, right? I mean, yeah, I feel that's like one I could... reason why libertarians love this thing. Yeah. So they, yeah. that's you, you don't seem like uh, what generally people would think of as a Democrat, right? If you... you know, this is a question that's been burning up because like, I thought Democrats would Nailed love <laughs> me and this. And I also thought, it's like, what defines the Democratic Party? I thought mm-hmm. it was like being for the working class and, and like yep. little guy and gal. Uh, reproductive rights. Social programs, social programs, climate change, gun safety. I'm with the Democrats on all that stuff. Yeah, and so I thought Democrats would be like, heck yes. Um, and it's been a little bit of a challenge. Like I've actually gotten quicker uptake among libertarians right. than, yeah. Yeah. than other people. Uh, and I'm just going to the Democrats, being like, "What's going on? I've been a registered Democrat for years. Like, you know, it's like I don't know what's going on with this." But is thinking. that is, is that a good thing? Is that what? then makes you uh, stand out in a crowd of 20 plus. Yeah. You know, it's like what's interesting is that uh, the order has been different than I'd expected. Mm -hmm. But like I I have no complaints like this is this is going great. You know, we're we're getting all sorts of people (laughs) and uh, and I'm confident um, the more time I spend with uh, people in the party, the more they'll realize that this is the best way to advance our shared goals. It's it, but but it's been more of a challenge than I'd, I'd anticipated. I'll say that. Yeah, has there been any pushback? Like when we talk about you know jobs going away, we constantly sort of talk about a specific group of people, truck drivers, and of the people of that uh, sort of demo. How do they take this? You know, like because we we're listening to it and we're like, okay, that makes sense. How does it? How do they take it when you're? Oh, not it only... makes it makes perfect sense to them too. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that's one reason why I'm getting a lot of support from people who voted for Trump. That if you're a truck driver. And I say this stuff, you're like, yeah, that's correct. Right. Okay, <laughs> makes sense, right? Right, right. Because yeah. I was just wondering, like, are they learning it? You know, a lot of times they're hearing sort of a double wave of education. They're learning that their job is not only going away, <laughs> but then they're learning that you're coming up with this plan. So, like, how does that come across? Sometimes are they like, whoa, you know, like my job's going away, or are they ready and saying, oh yeah, I know my job's going away? Well, the transition among truck drivers has gone from. Uh, a year and a half ago, it was there's no way a robot could do my job. This year, it's we have to make robots illegal. Right. That's actually a very uh, that's a different right. mm-hmm. objection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's not <laughs> going to happen either, right? No, no, it's not. I mean, only 13 percent of truck drivers are unionized. This is not going to be much of a negotiation. Right. 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 They'll just roll right over that. Yeah. How no pun you, intended, uh, of course. How do you address like the single inch, uh, voter? Like I have a coworker. And I've spoken to him about you. And uh, he's anti-abortion. And so my argument was, I'm sorry, I wasn't supposed to be about that. No, please. He's anti-abortion. I'm like, well, you know, just take a single young mother. If she has extra $12,000, it will be her keeping the baby because she can't afford the food. And he's like, 
well, I don't know about that. I want to know what else he's trying to sell us on besides that 12. But I was like, so I'm like pitching it to like these single interest voters because he only votes on abortion. That's it. He don't care about the extra money. Right. Yeah. He's like, I love babies. Like, so how's your team going to address that for people who are like, I only want to vote on abortion? Well, I had someone reach out and say to me that the freedom dividend is the most pro-life, pro-baby policy that anyone's ever proposed because then you have many more expectant moms who look up and say, wait a minute, I might be able to afford to have this mm-hmm, baby. Right, mm-hmm. uh, so it's the argument you made. Uh, and I had a pro-life activist reach out to me and say, I'm going to support you because that policy is the most pro-life thing going. Probably even more than any of the uh, conversation around reproductive rights. Like this is a genuinely pro-life policy. Now, let it be said that I am very much for uh, reproductive rights. <laughs> you know? uh, I mean, but I'm also for a society where people are excited to bring kids into the world and right. like, and that it's not a choice between, you know, feeding yourself and, and feeding your child. All right. All right. Yeah. So we, we have about five minutes left. Cool. So, uh, just want right. to wrap up a few fun, fun questions before we let you get out of here. So here, uh, here's the thing that I need to know. So. President, <laughs> President I let, he texted me this question. I, He's like, I, I, you I think this is going to fly? Yeah, yeah no, I like it. Fly. I like yeah. it. Please. <laughs> 2021. Right. The Lions win the Super Bowl. They come to the White House. Let's, let's be careful. I mean, I'd love it if the Lions won the We're, Super Bowl. I'm, but listen, I'm shooting for the stars. Yeah. Um, what what, what's going to be on the menu? Like, Because this, this whole Wendy's <laughs> and, and you know I mean, McDonald's thing is kind of getting out of hand when they come there now. So what, what's, on, what's on the menu for uh, the championship Spartans? And lions and red wings and tigers (laughs) and pistons. (laughs) You know, I'm the sort who would want to find out the preferences of the team. Like if they have some place that they really enjoy food from, then let's get them that food. Um, Barring that, uh, then, you know, it would be whatever uh, is uh, like easiest for us to, to get a hold of that. You know, taxpayers like don't feel like is like abusing their, <laughs> uh, their funds. Right. I can respect that. Yeah, I think the fast food buffet has been something that we've been hung up on for quite some time <laughs> trying to figure out. Like, it, it does seem like professional athletes don't necessarily want to be like eating that stuff. I mean, yeah, I was thought. thinking. You could still do burgers, but like maybe get a, like a wagyu beef or a Kobe beef burger, like, right? Or you, something when you like. Have access to to chefs. Ideally, you know, you would you would. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. uh, an, an, another thing like. I was just wondering, like a, a a friend of mine who may or may not be in the room. This is the first time he's ever contributed to a uh, a political party. Yes, Yang sort. Gang. There's someone here. It's, yeah, there's a Yang Gang the, member. There's a couple of us here, but yeah, so how, absolutely. Like, how does it how does it feel to know that what you're doing is resonating? Oh, it's it's very invigorating and touching. Uh, and that the person's not alone. We have tons of first time su- supporters that I mean, first time political supporters supporting the campaign. And the proportion of Americans that are what's called politically disengaged is 25 percent. Wow. So if we get politically disengaged Americans, we will win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's really the secret is that if all of the other 21 candidates are fighting over the politically engaged, and then we get the politically disengaged, we win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're cleaning up on some already the political politically engaged for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jason, you got anything? Uh, no, man. I just want you to know that I am a, I am a supporter, man. I will right. go out there and say I heard you. I've heard you speak before, and I was uh, 
it's a pleasure for me to be here, man, and, and really pick your brain. And hopefully after we leave, because what I learned from this is you're an intelligent guy, and, we, and it gives me even more questions to just oh, thank we you. can have that conversation. So thank you for just chipping away at a little bit of what you believe in so I can learn more. Well, thank you, guys. It's been great to be here. And Detroit has been such an important part of my maturation uh, and all of uh, us really an understanding uh, what's going on. So, uh, like, I'm very indebted to this place of a lot of friends here. Uh, and it's great to be back. It's not the last time either. I'll be back. Hey, you know, I'll, I'll put a plug in for this right now. The second Democratic debates are in July uh-huh. here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So guaranteed that uh, that the Yang Yang will be here in full force uh, in late July and guaranteed that we're going to have another rally as well. So yeah, we actually have an strangers. opening in late July, too, if you want to come back on the podcast. <laughs> I, I would like, love no, to have like, you I'll if that's busy. possible. He's also not committing to anything just yet, but hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> well, part of it's like I have no idea what I'm doing in any given. Time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, right. I, I, you know, I, I want to tell you uh, the individuals that I've spoken with on your campaign have been absolutely wonderful. They've they've been excellent. Uh, from Zach, Randy, uh, I think Carly today. So just absolutely wonderful uh, individuals that you're working with. Where can people learn more about you? And where, if your message is resonating with these individuals, where can they? Go donate uh, to your campaign to help keep this going. Well, thank you. The website is yang2020.com, or you can just Google Andrew Yang. But if this sounded appealing to you, just go ahead and donate $1, because having a number of small contributors is actually very, very powerful for us. It's not about the money. It's just about someone saying, I support this candidate. And the idea. <laughs> Although someone that Jason's just busting out a dollar and giving it to Oh, me. man. So I of course, that doesn't help us in the report. But. <laughs> you can buy a soda. Hey, but I do appreciate it a great deal. Um, but we definitely need as many Americans as possible to step up and say we can build an economy that works for us. We can build a human-centered trickle-up economy. Wonderful. Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, good good luck. Thank you, guys. Great being here. Thank, thank you. Bye.